0: this week on the it's a monkey podcast
1: when i, I had the chance to uh, interview one of the founders and one of the 10 finalists of the x prize uh, a guy called, called dr walter de Broa, who's got a device called the scanadu scout and what the scanadu scout uh, does it's the size of um, a, a you know a tiny how big should i call it like a puck almost like a puck that, that they use in the sports thing but it it's tiny if you can see my hands it's about this big you hold this against the temple of your head for 10 seconds, and in 10 seconds, uh, you will get on your phone displayed your vital stats: you get your heart rate, your blood pressure, your oxygenation levels, your uh, your stress levels. All of that kind of diagnostics about your health at the tip of your fingertips on your smartphone. That would take them like 15, 20 minutes to hook up when you go to an emergency section in a hospital. So this is where healthcare is going in the future, and we're getting those glimpses of healthcare. In you know, at CES, and the, the word that I love them using all the time is that you are going to become the CEO of your health.
0: Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. My name's Kevin Garber. I am the co-founder of Manage Flitter and the CEO of Manage Flitter and also the co-host of the It's a Monkey podcast, where we come to you every week and we talk about everything relating to tech, startups, entrepreneurship, uh, economy, and all sorts of other bits and pieces in between. I've just realized it's Friday the 13th. Um, mm-hmm. Did you realize that, Kate? No, I didn't. Um, it's bad luck, isn't it? Uh good luck bad luck it's something so
2: <laughs> we'll just stay away from black cats
0: so uh, welcome to the new year 2017 and um, this is our first podcast of 2017 um last week we uh played a repeat of melanie perkins of canva great interview from a couple of years ago have a listen to that if you haven't listened to it and before that a repeat of phil liban who was the founder and ex-ceo of evernote also a great listen but now we're back with um all the live um podcasts um, we've got a fantastic show coming up for you later on in the show we're going to talk to aki anastasio who's a tech journalist uh, from South Africa, 702, um, and CNBC Africa. He's a journalist at, at both those media outlets. Um, but before we get into this week's podcast, just want to mention some of the fantastic guests that we've already got lined up for the show over the next couple of weeks. I'm excited to say um, that David Hanemeyer Hansen, who is the creator of Ruby on Rails and the founder of Basecamp, is... Um, is going to be on the show in a couple of weeks. So that's pretty exciting. We're also going to have uh, Dr. John Demartini, who um, is a really incredibly well-known and um, a world authority on human behavior and personal development. So besides... Dr. John Demartini and um, David Hanemeyer Hansen. I'm also going to be talking to Margaret Heffernan in the upcoming podcast episode. And she is the former CEO of Five Businesses and has a TED Talk that has nearly hit 3 million views, which is um, pretty impressive. And um, she's written some very interesting book about um, workplace um, Um, aspects like conflict avoidance, selective blindness that lead organizations and managers astray. Very, very smart woman, worked for the BBC for many years. Um, So we've got some fantastic guests coming up in the future weeks, so uh, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player. As usual, we talk about some of the latest tech news. This week, um, as always, an interesting Um, An exciting uh, week in the tech news. Big announcement from Atlassian. Atlassian is a company that's uh, um, turning over nearly $600 million, bootstrapped by two Australian guys who I believe are still under 40 years old and they have a project management um, tool called Jira and some other um, products that help developers and teams to uh, collaborate together. Our offices are right next to theirs. We look out over them, we see the the team wandering around. And Kate, they had a a very big announcement this week about an acquisition.
2: Yes, so uh, Lassian have acquired their uh, 18th acquisition, uh, and that's uh, Trello for four hundred and twenty-five million.
0: Now, what was so interesting about that, right? Uh, Atlassian must have really wanted a Trello because, um, firstly, it's a it's a big number four hundred and twenty-five million, particularly when Atlassian um, only have two hundred and sixty-six million in the bank. So I'm yes,
2: not- I think it nearly broke their bank. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> i definitely there. Um, you know, some of it was paid in stock, but most of it, I believe, uh, was paid in cash. So all of the indicators point that Atlassian really wanted this because the the founders were very smart founders. Um, um, one of the founders, Joel um from um fog creek software i think stack overflow is also his product which is a very uh, well-known question and answer site um he's written some fantastic books on how to lead and manage developers which is great he, he's got the line um you need to look for people that are smart and get shit done i never forgotten that line and, and that's certainly what we always look for but in any way he's a smart guy and i'm pretty sure that um Atlassian are only paying cash, not shares, because they sort of have to, because they might have, you know, insisted that, fine, if you guys want us, we want the cash. This Uh, is what we're worth. Yeah, um, this is what we're worth. And and, um, although sometimes people like to take shares because if they, you know, aligns interests in other ways. so 425 million dollars which is only seven percent market cap of atlassian share price at the moment so it's it's um you know still a relatively small portion of what atlassians worth but in terms of their actual cash outlay it's huge now you've used jira and trello right
2: yeah both of them um trello is much more intuitive i think for the everyday user or somebody who's in sort of more marketing business hr um, but Jira's like it's got way more functionality, but it's a little bit harder to understand because it's made for developers.
0: And Jira's more structured, right? Trello's yes. there's a lot more flexibility, so you can you can use it. It's it's like cards or almost like post-it notes, right? That yeah. you can shift around and move around and put them in columns and categories and
2: Yeah, it's like an improved style of a to-do list
0: yeah and uh, they've executed it on on it really well i think jira's really uh, sorry not jira trello is really easy to get up and running Mm, Um, there's a
2: lot of crossover between the two as well so i'm interested to see where it goes
0: I think what's a, 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 why Atlassian might have gone down this this route is that um, Atlassian or Jira started out as a uh, you know an on server product, not a cloud product. Yeah. So they left with a lot of legacy, a lot of complexities around that. Whereas Trello um, was started as the get go from a cloud product. Yes. Um, so Atlassian might be wanting to just ac- accelerate their efforts, also have something that was natively built for the cloud. I think Atlassian might have some. Um, technical debt um i mean uh, there are some people that have complained about some of atlassian's cloud offerings um and of course trello has got a lot of users um, i think they've got nearly 20 million users
2: yeah i believe so but i think this other thing is um trello have uh nearly twice the amount of integration opportunities than jira
0: so they um have maybe a more mature API and Mm. um, you can integrate it with, with CRMs or
2: believe so from, I mean, there's an article on medium from a a former Atlassian employee and what sort of research he's
0: done. Yeah. Um, Anyway, it's, it's interesting. I mean, great for the, the Trello founders. Um, They um, had this exits of 425 million based on an investment from investors of 10 million. So that's a huge return for them. Um, and that's uh, you know that's that's sort of in our industry that's that's sort of the what people aim for is to is to take an investment, build it into something big that's hugely valuable for someone else, um, mm. and that's the puzzle that we all trying to all trying to pull together. I did see on Trello's website where their their blog announcement. I don't know if you read their blog announcement on Trello. Mm. Um, that Trello users were quite cynical and unhappy that they've been bought. Because, as the one user said, when has a product ever been acquired and it landed up becoming a better product? And it's a fair call.
2: But, I mean, I think in one of their statements too, Atlassian have said that uh, the cultural values between the two companies are very similar, their goal to get to 100 million users is also very similar, and they're hiring all of Trello's staff. They're not letting anyone go. So, I mean, potentially it could be a good thing.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, it's, uh, it's... there's something magical when when a product is independent and it's, it's, it's simple, you know. It's uh, when you have to integrate and teams. I mean, there's famous research that's been done on mergers and acquisitions and, um, you know, that most acquisitions don't work out. You know, mm-hmm. the cultural issues, the DNA of organizations is different, you yeah. know. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll follow that. Congrats to the, the, the Trello um, people and um, Atlassian. They're smart. Um, smart people they surely um, know what they're doing and um, we'll see what their their next next acquisition is another um, story we we've we've often been sort of complaining that Apple has not been speaking about AR and VR and we've been wondering what has been going on with Apple not? not not giving any hints of any vr or ar efforts and there was actually a comment this week by um the famous tech journalist um robert scoble um who says that um that that carl zeus the famous german lens company is uh, actually been working on an ar mixed reality set of smart glasses um with apple to be released um in, uh, as soon as this year
2: Mm, that's interesting. They've actually um, done a sort of a report Apple Insider have done into the latest hires that Apple have done uh, and some of the technology that they're working with behind the scenes and their patents as well. And it definitely looks like they're going to be doing something in the AR space.
0: Um, that'll be That'll be really fantastic, and um, we'll chat to to Aki from the the CES conference a little bit later in the show, and uh, what 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 it, his thoughts about AR and VR. But um, yeah, they smart people at Apple they they absolutely um, would realise of the, the 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 opportunities on the AR and the VR side of things. Amazing how secretive Apple maintains itself to be. It's probably, I mean, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nothing leaks from from that place very very seldom right
2: that's true it's also important to sort of remember that apple if you think about in history haven't been innovators of the first uh, first technology of something they've always watched someone else do it and then done it 10 times better and that's what makes them good at what they do
0: yeah it's uh it it is true that um you know, I, even the even the iPhone, it's it's it wasn't the first smartphone that was out there, right? No, and there was with I, the iPod.
2: Everything I, they just sit back, watch, learn, and do better.
0: I was uh, I was checking my emails long before anyone else on my on my Siemens SL thirty five or forty five, and mm. uh, people used to be amazed. And I actually remember. When uh, the Siemens that Siemens phone could play MP3s as well, and okay. I, I it was a great party trick. I'd pull out headphones, and I'd and it wasn't even that long ago, you know. Okay. And and I'd pull out headphones and uh, and say, "Hey, listen to this." And they'd like, "Wow, you're playing music on your phone!" <laughs> you <know? laughs>
2: Amazing. You know, how and many songs could you fit on there? Uh,
0: maybe maybe okay. 5 to ten. That's I bad. think I upgraded it, and um, you know, it was. Uh, it's and that was, you know, quite a bit before the the, the iPhone. So yeah, I mean second mover advantage is is underrated in business. You oh, know. Yeah. Look 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 what people do, um look at the problems and then uh, build a vision around the next phase of it and, you know, away you
2: Definitely. I mean and we could only speculate, but um I think earlier there's um quotes from Tim Cook, who's the CEO of Apple, uh sort of stating or or um hinting at the fact that they're going to not entirely, but almost skip over VR and go straight to AR because they've got like a, the basis of their iOS devices that they can build that AR technology on top
0: of. Interesting. Um, yeah, I guess the, the VR technology, um, I, I think in the corporate world, AR, um, yeah the use cases in a, in a way make more sense, you mm. know. Uh, maybe consumer VR, but yeah, look, it's it's still s- such early days. You know, the use cases really haven't um, evolved yet. I saw um, I saw some one of the airlines somewhere is experimenting with VR for passengers. So that instead Very of cool. yeah, so you know, you put on the VR and and instead of this painful economy class journey across the ocean where you're just feeling mm. squashed and, and angry with your neighbour fighting over you know elbow space, you put on the VR headsets and um, you just uh, it takes you somewhere else and um, you're in this this this, Can this relax and <laughs> relax in a, in a good place. You know, oh,
2: you could experience uh, Hawaii before you even got there.
0: Yeah, that'd be uh, it's it's definitely um, you know re- it would be really good like that in environments where you have to sort of isolate yourself and um, you know uh, as long as you as long as it's not a game that uses your your hands and your arms and um, that's true and
2: uh, it'd be just a, a passive experience
0: yeah next phase of just watching movies across the. Across the, the the ocean when you're on long flights. So uh, yeah, well we'll we'll have a uh, we'll keep an eye out on Apple and um, see what else leaks um, over the year. Anyway, that's the tech news for this week's um, reminder. You can check out the episodes, uh, previous episodes at it'samonkey You can subscribe to receive email updates um, at it'samonkey dot com, and um, you can tweet us at monkey podcast. You can email us, um, give us a review on iTunes, um, all of those exciting things. Uh, we really do appreciate you taking a couple of minutes um, to drop us a line or to give an iTunes review. We're going to take a short break, and uh, after the break, we're going to be chatting to Aki Anastasio, who's the tech journalist at 702 and CNBC Africa, about the CES conference that's held every year in Vegas at the beginning of January. We'll be back shortly.
2: Hi, my name is Dave Zarati and I'm the customer support specialist here at Manage Flitter. Manage Flitter is a tool that helps you work faster and smarter on Twitter. With Manage Flitter, you can clean up and grow your Twitter account. You will also get access to useful
0: Twitter analytics, social content scheduling, and much more. Go to ManageFlitter.com and start your free trial today. You're back with It's a Monkey Podcast. We talk about everything related to the tech economy, entrepreneurship, startups. And um, of course, every year at the beginning of the year, there's the famous CES conference that happens in Las Vegas, um, Nevada, United States. And I haven't quite been to that conference yet. I tend to go more to some of the entrepreneurial ones, the TechCrunch Disrupts, the Sastas. But I would like to eventually head over to CES. But I managed to track down someone who was at CES this year. And at the end of my Skype line, I'm proud to say I've got uh, Aki Anastasio, who's a tech journalist at 702 and CNBC Africa and Secret as well. We used to work together a long time ago at 702 in South Africa. So, Aki, a re- uh, real pleasure having you on our show.
1: Hey, it's a great pleasure, Kevin. Nice to, nice to touch base again after all these years. And thanks for having me.
0: Um, Aki, so CES, um, it starts on the Thursday, goes through to the Sunday. I believe it was its it's 50th year anniversary this year, started in 1967?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's its 50th year anniversary um, and uh, it really is an amazing, amazing show. I've been very privileged to have been attending, I think next year is going to be my 10th one. Um, And and it's a a fascinating show, and especially when you bump into people that have been to like more than 20 of them. Um, And it's one of those shows that's really, um, to to give you an idea of the scale of the show, if you can imagine like 40 rugby fields together uh, displaying uh, the wares of all the top consumer technology companies in the world, um, there were 3,600 exhibitors this year. Wow. Roughly about 180,000 people visited the show, and uh, you know it's it's really a massive show. And it's this is not open to you know the public. It's just trade and journalists that go to the show. So it's been a it's been a very interesting show. And and this is the show. I was talking to Gary Shapiro, who's the CEO of the uh, you know the company that organises the show, um, and he's been you know involved with, with the show for for like more than three decades and you know just touching through some of the technologies that debuted at CS you know you had the the first VHS for example that was there the first flat-screen TV blu-ray disc uh, was first introduced the compact disc was introduced at CS um, you know even went back to some of the earlier turntables so there a lot of technologies and 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 and, and consumer goods that you and I have used over the last few decades that were first introduced to to the public at CES. So it's that kind of show.
0: And I was really excited to see that a product that I've been really pushing for for a long time, a multi-screen laptop, was showcased this year at CES. But in fact, it was stolen, right? Someone stole it.
1: Yeah. You're talking about the, uh, I think it was the The Epsom stand. Oh,
0: the the, the Razer?
1: The razor. That's right. The razor. Yes, um, it was quite astonishing that there was that kind of theft that happened. Um, uh, and in fact, I think two prototypes went missing um, from from the stand this year. And you think to yourself, well, but you know, these cameras and that sort of thing. I've never ever heard of that happening at the show before. But you know, certainly you're touching on you know those kind of new technologies uh, like the 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 razor that you spoke about. And there were a plethora. Of uh, you know those kind of devices, and you can see that you know mobility is key. And ultralight notebooks that were launched, um, some interesting designs on on, um, on on tablets, and of course you know the big guys like uh, Razer and and um, you know Lenovo and Acer and Asus. They're all there displaying new kinds of stuff. And they really had great, great products this year. HP had some products as well. So we saw a lot of that, uh, you know, computer stuff. And and, and a big focus, I must tell you, Kevin, on gaming. You know, we saw some interesting gaming rigs that were launched. I mean, even Samsung uh, launched a gaming device. And and they've actually gone back into the notebook business, interestingly enough, because it's one of those businesses they left a few years ago. Now they've gone back. And they introduced a really nice Chromebook. Uh, which I found quite interested in um, just because of the quality. So certainly the quality has improved, the costs of these notebooks has improved, and really innovative designs pushing the pa- parameters. And, uh, you mentioned the one that you mentioned. That, and the truth is a lot of the products that you see at CS and you hear of at C S and even the ones that I've seen over the last few years, you think, wow, that's a great product. It will do really well. And then you never hear about that product as well. So a lot of the companies come there. They test the new products. They like kind of benchmark them against the public that are there, and they use that almost as a feasibility study. Because the truth is, many of the twenty thousand products that were launched at CES this year will not see you know uh, you know consumer hands.
0: What about um, Apple? Do the, do they have a presence at CES?
1: That's the funny part. You know you got you know you got companies like Apple, you got companies like Google, and you got companies like Microsoft. They're the big gorillas in the room. And they're not even at CES. And it's interesting that you should mention them because they're the kind of underlying companies that are almost keeping this show, that they tie the loose ends of the show because the show has evolved to such a point over the last few years, and especially this year, it was really, really evident that the devices that you see, the technology that we see around us, is all being driven by the software that's driving the technology and the artificial intelligence and the big data that's happening in the background. And the companies that are driving this are, you know, the likes of Amazon, the likes of Microsoft, the likes of Google, the likes of Apple, for example. They, they have these uh, technologies that are really um, making things work in the cloud. And they're not even evident. But yet the show is centered around these organizations.
0: I guess it's testament to uh, their power in a way that they they uh, you know they, they they don't have to be there with the mere mortals. But also, Aki, uh, tell us, uh, AR and VR is getting a lot of buzz at the moment. Um, yeah. I mean, I think uh, you know Tim Cook sort of alluded to their AR initiatives recently. Um, was it uh, you, you know how common were the VR headsets everywhere? Any interesting new technologies on the AR VR front that um, really um, you, you know grabbed uh, grabbed your energy?
1: Interest? Yeah, listen, I mean, AR, uh, VR was massive at the show and, and you know, uh, I think that um, AR is going to be more prominent in the enterprise space. Um, and I think there are a lot of companies working on a lot of different things. So we saw more consumer stuff. So there was more VR than AR, to be perfectly honest with you. But there were lots of, uh, you know, AR demos. Um, for me, the HTC Vive uh, was really, really impressive. There were a lot of prototypes that we saw, companies developing different stuff. I mean, Sony had some AR stuff, um, and, and there were some companies that you've never heard of that had, you know, AR and VR stuff. And certainly, I would say that was, you know, that, you know virtual reality was most definitely one of the big themes of the show. Um, and it's and a technology, if you look at the profile of the average person that comes to the show, I would say the average age of, the attendee is probably 40 plus. Um, And I I, I sometimes, uh, you know, I sometimes uh, felt that they don't try, they don't kind of get the true potential of VR and AR. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, uh, you know, millennials and Generation Z that are really hungry for AR and VR. And they're the ones that are going to drive these technologies forward. The tech companies see it. Um, But I think that nobody has quite yet... Um, manage to, you know, get that perfect solution, the, the, you know, the perfect device that's going to sit on that, like, everybody's going to use. And I think it's one of those technologies that are still kind of maturing. A lot of people are asking a lot of questions about it. Will it go main? 3D, for example, which was all the, you know, it was such a hyped-up technology in about five years ago at CS. You know, everybody was talking about 3D, 3D, and where is 3D today it's like no about
0: uh, 3D 3D printing that is
1: right no, no 3D glasses oh 3D, 3D glasses German. okay remember you know i mean 3D was and 3D printing which we'll touch on as well is you know is is a huge one but 3D as in you know television viewing watching and,
0: your uh, own tv with 3D
1: glasses yep glasses and watching uh, you know, tv shows that's not transpired i mean you look around at your friends and your mates do you know anybody that uses 3D on their televisions? I don't.
0: No, not one.
1: That's, yeah. the, that's the wonderful so,
0: thing about our industry is uh, you can never predict um, which way it's going. Yeah. You know, their trends and, and, I mean, 3D printing. Tell us about 3D printing. I mean, there, there was a lot of promise um, projected onto 3D printing as well, and it still seems to be, be bumbling along. It's there, but it's, it's, it hasn't quite broken through, Right.
1: Well, yes and no. You know, uh, I think that the, you know, the early adopters, the, the companies that were there from the beginning, and sorry, the name of the one company slips my mind, and I can picture the CEO in my mind that I interviewed a couple of times um you know, um, show me some three D printer name brands that you know of.
0: I, I actually, I actually don't know any three D printer okay. names. Sorry. Okay, so but,
1: but was one. It'll come to it'll come to me now. I mean, uh-huh. they had literally a massive stand, and you know, a few years ago, three D printers were were there. They were all the rage, but they were very expensive. They weren't affordable, um, and the companies that were exhibiting then. There's a point I was trying to make. Many of them haven't survived. The ones that have survived are the ones that have. Kind of come into that sweet spot it's like solar you remember solar panels many years ago used to be expensive and as the prices dropped uh, the guys that were manufacturing them at the higher rate couldn't survive um, and this is why you've got a, a taiwanese company like xyz who's got the, the number one spot with 3d printers they're really affordable now they're at a price point where you know you can take them into your home and but the, the question remains to be seen. You know, what are you going to be using 3D printers for? If it's not on an industrial base, um, what are you going to make uh, blocks and tiny toys and print stuff around your home? Are the applications there yet? Are they real yet? Apart from it, apart from being a, a hobbyist, which you would enjoy doing something like that, um, you know, 3D printing is still a luxury purchase.
0: I in New York um, a year ago or two years ago, I saw an organic organic 3D printer. Um, that was basically the size of a briefcase absolutely yeah. fantastic and that's you know and and yeah. the purpose was not so much to to print replacement parts but it was for diagnosis that they could take a biopsy and replicate a tumor and, and analyze it you know outside of your body or something like that and that was just absolutely mind, mind-blowing mind technology
1: yeah the, the company i was thinking about was makerbot that's the company but you know, interesting you mentioned 3D printing because uh, last month before Vegas, I had I, I gone on another trip in the U.S. and I was over in Silicon Valley and I was visiting a couple of the big institutions. I was at Stanford and uh, University of um, Ca- California, San Francisco, and had a look at the 3D printing stuff that they're doing. And, I mean, they're printing extraordinary stuff in the medical field with 3D that, uh, that are literally changing people's lives. So. The applications on the other side of three D, I believe, are critical. And in the manufacturing sense, it's you know it's it's a no brainer.
0: Any other you know, cool stuff that you saw that really even even for novelty value that um, is worth mentioning?
1: Well, there were some crazy things that you saw. I mean, I, I saw uh, I, you know obviously the the the, cons- the televisions were big again this year. Um, you know, the televisions are, are kind of settling in on four K, which is going to be the de facto standard for television across the world the panels are becoming thinner um samsung uh, you know are demoing this new quantum dot technology which is they call it q led um uh, lg's panels were amazing really i think they they kind of on on, on they got the finger on the pulse but, you know, you saw a lot of random stuff and interesting technologies. But the artificial intelligence for me, which we touched on earlier, was the one that was really interesting. And, of course, the drones. But um, it's all moving to the Internet of Things. So the Internet of Things was like all over the place. You know, everything that is coming out today is connected to the Internet. Everything is sharing some kind of data. It fits into your home seamlessly and 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 the, the the companies that were really um, driving the innovation were the companies that were trying to incorporate all of those internet of things devices into one because right now, if you think of your home and you think of you've got your your Giza, you've got your alarm system, you've got your watering system, you know it's so disjointed. you've got you know separate apps connecting different things, and the companies that are trying to pull all of that together so at the touch of your fingertips, you have control of all of your Internet of Things devices uh, from one central point that you can control. Almost like a Facebook, but for your gadgets around your home. Um, and I think that's that's where it's kind of going. That uh, With the Internet of Things being such a massive thing at the show this year, I think that's what's going. And then the other thing that for me is very interesting, and I've been watching the progress of this over the last few, few years, is health. E-health. Is growing, you know, exponentially, um, and I think it's been driven by, you know, the, the the quality of the sensors that are out there, the quality of the processing power that's there, that's becoming so much more small and small over the years, and this is what's allowing many companies to push the boundaries in developing really interesting technologies. Were there
0: right. any were there any e-health or quantified self or diagnosis? Type devices that um, um, were of interest there that's that are almost consumer ready or pr- interesting prototypes.
1: Oh, there were, there were there were several, you know in fact, you know you you talk about the stuff that we don't see it happening, but you know, and this is the engines of the companies that collect the data and make sense of it. So in fact, one of the big companies is out from Stellenbosch in South Africa. Um, and they were there again and their kind of technology and algorithm is used by a lot of the players like apple in their health products it's used by fitbit in their health products so all of these companies they're just simply collecting data when you start using the data and putting the data through some kind of an algorithm and making sense of it that's when it gets really exciting so the the, the technologies that are out there are there are so many i mean i saw stuff that you can attach to your muscles for example like tiny sensors that you put on while you're training and um you know it gives you like a full uh analysis of your muscles and what they're doing because it's all at, at you know attached by electrolysis through your body it's picking up all those um uh, impulses that your body is sending out so so from that point of view uh, i really think that this year is going to be the year of e-health and we're going to in a few weeks time here, which device is going to win the X Prize, the TriQuarter X Prize, um, that's been driven by Peter Diamandis and, the, and his foundation, the X Prize Foundation, and this is one uh, sector which I think is going to explode this year, Kevin. I, I had the chance to uh, interview one of the founders and one of the ten finalists of the X Prize, uh, a guy called called Dr. Walter DeBrower, who's got a device called the Scanadu Scout. And what the Scanner do Scout does, it's the size of um, a, a, you know, a tiny, how big should I call it, like a puck, almost like a puck there that they use in the sports thing. But it, it's tiny. If you can see my hands, it's about this big. You hold this against the temple of your head for 10 seconds. And in 10 seconds, uh, you will get on your phone displayed your vital stats. You get your heart rate, your blood pressure, your oxygenation levels, Love your uh, your stress levels all of that kind of diagnostics about your health at the tip of your fingertips on your smartphone that would take them like 15 20 minutes to hook up when you go to an emergency section in a hospital so this is where healthcare is going in the future and we're getting those glimpses of healthcare um, in you know at CES and the, the word that I love them using all the time is that you are going to become the CEO of your health your own health so it's certainly shifting the the way that we look at our health it's shifting from you know very much to the consumer and the consumer is getting more control of their health more control of the analytics of their body and i find that really interesting
0: it is i mean uh, the quantified self i mean uh, you know in in a way the fact that we need to go get a blood test and only have these points in time where things get measured um you know it's going to in a couple of years it's going to look totally archaic it's going to be you know maybe you sleep on a mattress that's got some sensors and you know every night you're getting stats updated it pings you when there's an issue has already uploaded something to your doctor and it's you know there's there's the dystopian version of technology of the future but this this is the good stuff right
1: well listen you spoke about the mattress that mattress. the mattress and i interviewed the ceo of the smart mattress at cs and what this mattress does is you lie on this mattress it's a king-size mattress so you and your partner lie down and what this does is it's monitoring your vital stats while you sleep throughout the night it's monitoring how restless you are it's monitoring your blood pressure it's monitoring your heart rate and and then if you're sleeping and you start snoring there's there are sensors that analyze that you're snoring and then the 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 way your pillow lies They've got a they've got a little lever or a little pump that actually lifts your head up until you stop <laughs> snoring. That's so this smart bed is there; it's available, and it's, and it's going to be launched this year. Does it um,
0: does it sort of pour a glass of water into your mouth in the morning? Oh, well, I need one over my head. You know, I am one of these lucky people that sleeps well a little bit too well sometimes, and just you know, wake, yeah. you, uh, uh, wake me up. Um, Terrific, Aki, Do you remember the? Uh, I used to go to the um, Johannesburg Computer Show in the eighties. My father used to drag oh, me. Comptex, Computex. No,
1: not Computex. It was called, It was at. Uh, was it at Gallagher State, I think
0: it was um, at the the Rancho Showgrounds. Is the one I remember. That's um, it. That's and, it. Uh, we've 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 come a long way.
1: And before we go, there's one technology that we didn't mention, and I need to mention. It's important to mention is that the vehicles. And autonomous driving vehicles, electric vehicles, they were massive at the show. And that you know, you know, cars weren't featuring at the show a few years ago. Now all the big guys are there: Mercedes-Benz, VW, Audi, BMW. They're all there, and you kind of, in a sense, you know, get a, an idea that is this a is this an autom- automotive show? But automotive technology is changing at such a rapid pace. Those guys are in the room and they're really very much of consumer technology moving forward.
0: You mentioned you know, a little bit a while ago of these devices being connected to each other, but imagine if every single car on the road was connected to each other and they have an awareness of each other. You know, I mean, I know in South Africa there's about ten thousand deaths on the road every year. I think Australia two to three thousand, America fifty thousand. Um, all of all of those lives. Again, this is this is what technology is about. So um, you know, the future is on its way.
1: I think the next uh, five years are going to be fascinating. Hold on, because it's going to be an amazing ride.
0: Keanu Anastasio, tech journalist at 702 and CNBC Africa. Really fantastic talking to you. And uh, thanks for joining us on uh, the It's a Monkey podcast.
1: Kev, all the rest of you. Take care, mate.
2: The It's a Monkey podcast is brought to you by CheckDog. Use CheckDog to easily review and monitor your website for spelling errors, broken links, and broken images. All with the push of one button. CheckDog can also automatically monitor your website and notify you of newly introduced spelling errors. Go to checkdog.com forward slash podcast to receive 50% off your first month subscription. CheckDog.com, helping the world's leading websites keep their content error free.
0: That CES conference just sounds uh, huge, Kate. 180,000 people.
2: That's a lot of people.
0: That's a lot of people. I mean, it's spread over a few days, I assume, Mm. but that is a a lot of people. Do you know how many vendors? Um, I think think he mentioned it, Um, but... um, A lot. A lot. A, a, a lot, um, and uh, I mean, what, what I think what would be so interesting to visit that uh, um, conference would be or, or the exhibition. Um, there's a lot of prototypes, right? Mm. And that would be really, you know, all the experimental. See um, where things are going. What people they, are thinking. Yeah, um, that would be really fantastic. It would be really great one year to um, to head over there. Interesting what he said about the mattress that it's already there, mm. smart mattress. Um, that that monitors you while you sleep
2: yeah no, i had some interesting to say interesting things to say about the e-health space and um sort of tracking your fitness and your sleeping patterns uh it's all it's going to be big
0: it's going to be big i think i think when everything's integrated mm. you know that's the that's the huge magic promise you know you don't have 10 million devices tracking this tracking that smart devices you have to uh, you know connect them but if everything's absolutely seamless yes you know and if it
2: can stop or slow down the amount of times you have to visit the doctor I'll be happy yeah <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think I think we'd all be happy with that you know there was an interesting study done uh, or they, um, there was a system developed um, I don't know if it was by IBM or one of these big companies a, a artificial intelligence diagnosis um, system for for cancer and they um, did some research and they had the system um, diagnose people for cancer and they had a, a doctor diagnose people for cancer. And the, um, the results in terms of identifying the cancer was exactly the same between the doctor and the patient, uh, the doctor and the machine. Surprising. Um, there was one advantage that the, that the system had over the doctor was that it could recommend treatments... Um, and, pr- and particularly novel or experimental treatments in a much more effective manner because obviously they had access to the most current database the complete yeah. database something computers are really good at right they don't yeah. have limited capacity um, yeah. so they could match and they could say oh if that's a unusual or you know instance of of x cancer There's someone's actually doing a trial of something you know in belgium at the moment and Check that out. Whereas the doctors are, you know, they're going to be limited in the scope of what they know of, of latest research Definitely. research and treatments.
2: I mean, each doctor is only going to have a limited knowledge. And, I mean, you can hope that your doctor is going to be up to date with the latest research and have knowledge on that. But you can't assume.
0: Yeah. So, you know, the... E-health is definitely, um, you know, uh, um, there's a huge promise to make our lives easier. Um, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Cars, of course, we, you know, we comes back to a lot of the time we talk about self-driving cars, autonomous cars, cars mm-hmm. that talk to each other. If cars, as I mentioned with Aki, if cars all have an awareness of each other. Yeah, right, be
2: hardly any car crash.
0: Be because theoretically, they just have a sense of each other. Mm. Right. And if you could tie that into pedestrians as well, right? So, say a pedestrian on your phone talks to the cars.
2: Yeah. I mean, like location tracking type thing.
0: Yeah. So, so yeah. the cars have a sense of where the pedestrians are, you know. That's uh, a good idea. So um,
2: they'd probably have like a, a motion sensor or something too. So it would know to stop in time if it could predict someone was going to walk in its path.
0: They definitely would. I mean, yeah. but over and above that as well. Mm. You know, just just these checks and balances everywhere. Mm. I don't know if we spoke about. It. I don't think we spoke about it in one of the previous podcasts because it was pretty recent. But uh, you know that the Tesla uh, car has has a feature called Autopilot, which is a self driving feature. But you wow. have to be sitting there. Okay. You know, and
2: can you turn it off?
0: Yes. Okay. Yes. It's so not, if you
2: emergency braked, it would
0: turn it sort of like I that.
2: S- What's that setting call when you're on a highway? Yeah, and you
0: can set the speed. Yeah. Cruise, <laughs> cruise control or something. That's yeah. It. Yep. So it's like an advanced version of cruise mm. control. And there's a video going around of a chap that was driving on a highway. Um, and there's two cars in front of him. Right. And the one car sort of s- it cuts off the other car, but in a way um, that was quite dangerous. But mm. what, what is interesting, the Tesla braked automatically, immediately, okay. right? and then these two cars crash, right? Non-Tesla cars. The non-Tesla cars crashed. So the Tesla autopilot predicted this crash. It's clever. Right, before it actually happened. So you're watching and then these two cars and the non-Tesla cars, two non-Tesla cars driving in, in the lane in, in front of them. The one sort of cuts off the other one and the timings were a bit mm-hmm. off. But quite well before the crash, like maybe a second or two before the crash, the Tesla brakes and okay. then these two cars crash. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. uh, um, that type of sophistication, literally, um, you know, even if it's, it prevented this chap, if it helped this chap who was driving the Tesla, saved a couple of seconds, slamming oh, into the sure. back of them huge difference Mm. so you know sometimes
2: it's not always the best case to break i mean most cases yes but in the case where you've got to speed up to get around something or get into another lane do you think that these cars would be able to do that absolutely
0: yeah they wouldn't just have a simplistic view of just breaking you know yeah they they would factor in um, and that's probably why it's still not mature that technology these all these Mm. use cases um you know they're just learning the whole time. And yeah. um, you know, factoring in all these these different use cases,
2: I think we're going to have problems in the the transition between self driving cars and people who are still driving themselves. Um, so there's going to be, I feel, there's going to be crashes and and incidences most likely caused by the people driving themselves, but also just from misunderstanding. They don't understand how the self driving cars work, you know, and they they might go left, and so does the so does the self driving car, you know. But Look, once they're all self-driving, I think we'll be fine.
0: Look, there's quite a few states in the U.S. I think three states where self-driving cars are legal already. So you actually see them in San Francisco. Okay. Um, they got a sign on them. They are there. Mm. You know, it's already it's already happening. There've been very few crashes. There have been a few. Nothing. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Tesla had a had a fatal one, I believe. And, but that's not a self-driving car. There was. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what exactly what exactly happened with that one. Um, so they're already there in in the US and uh, I think the biggest the bigger challenge I think the technology they'll get right the bigger challenge is the biggest employer in the world is transport Mm. you know people truck drivers bus drivers train drivers taxi drivers right and and I think it's going to come in really hard and fast I think it's literally going to you know happen overnight Mm. because the benefits are, are so huge I mean it's Uber's long term play no doubt you know yeah. Uber's long-term play. Absolutely, there's just no advantage. I mean, it sounds pretty brutal, but there's just no advantage to them having a driver. Would you pay more, uh, assuming the technology is safe and all of that's given? Yeah. Would you pay more just so you could have a chat to someone on the way home? In a no right i don't think so yeah i don't i think very few people would i think Mm -hmm. maybe as a novelty on occasion you'd get a limo with a chap in a in a tuxedo that you can (laughs) chat to
2: potentially i I mean i'd be down for if it worked out to be cheaper like a ride sharing type thing so if if it could uh, have the smarts to know that somebody else two streets away from me was going in the same direction then Put us all together. That's fine.
0: There is Uber Pool, which works in San Francisco and in uh, New York, and it's brilliant. Yeah, uh, that would be a good idea. Yeah, um, but it's, it will be a you know a lot cheaper to not to have a driver, right? And mm, I think definitely. I think Uber shares. I think I think Uber takes twenty percent of the the cab of the Uber fare. Um, mm. So immediately that twenty percent is theirs. If they if they give five percent back to the passenger, right? It's yeah. 5% cheaper. And the poor Uber drivers are out of a job. Sure. You I know? mean,
2: there'll be more jobs in monitoring all this as well. I know, but it's... It's not yeah, for everyone.
0: Yeah. And it's not fun when you're the one that... Um, loses your job. Loses your job. You know? Definitely. So that, that, I think, more than the technology. The technology, they'll, they'll nail. I have no... Mm. Um, anyway, that's CES in Vegas, um, which uh, I'd love to go to one day. Have you ever been to Vegas?
2: No, I haven't. I have a friend there, though. She's well, maybe, always like, "Kate, hey, come over and visit."
0: Maybe we can uh, go to Vegas one day and do some uh, um, some some podcasting oh, and, yeah. and chatting to um, <laughs> so, you know people in the prototypes. We will have to get some videos going.
2: That would be good as be good. well. I hear it's pretty
0: crazy there. Yeah, I'm sure Americans do things. Um, Big and in, in style sometimes. Anyway, we hope you enjoy the podcast. Let us know if you do. We're also experimenting with periscoping the podcast. Uh, we we periscope the chat that Kate and I have. Um, so keep an eye out on the Twitter feed. Um, it's usually Tuesday evening American time when we periscope it. Sometimes it changes, but we will try to keep it Tuesday evening Um american time wednesday morning australia time happy new year wherever you are and uh yeah as mentioned we have some fantastic guests coming up in the future podcasts um so uh, we look forward to bringing those to you over the next few weeks and uh, have a good week see ya